You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. On 1116 SEN, the award-winning crunch time for Honda's seven-year sale ends June 30. Williams hands it up to Shackey, who kicks inside the 50. Dixon on the lead, takes the mark. Corey Dixon can't miss. Three in a row for the Dogs. Langdon on the turnover to Penelby. Back to Langdon. He's 50 out from goal. He sends it all the way. That is a very fine kick. Up comes Grundy again. He's working tirelessly away. And it creates all sorts of possibilities for the five. Stevenson's away. Tucked it under the arm. Hit full belt. Two bounces. Runs to 65. Side bottom in the pocket. Juggles. Didn't mark. Gathers. Brought down by Trengove. Fed it out. Hoskin Elliott worked it around and Collingwood snapped the goal. Gets to 60, kicks it wide and the mark is taken by Stevenson. Hoskin Elliott waits for it in the square. He waits no longer. Takes the footy and puts it through. The Pies have kicked four in a row. They're in full flow, the Magpies. The kick is for Hoskin Elliott over his head. It runs right to the teeth of goal. Oh. Hoskin Elliott, hand to boot in the blink of an eye. He flips through the goal. Chips are tired. I'll kick along. Oh, oh, he might have a week off next week as he cleans up to Hannison. I reckon Mason Cox being the porter, boys. Oh, yeah. so he should have been. That is so dangerous. Yeah, really dangerous it was. To Greenwood, who measures it off to Dacos. Oh, right on the final siren. Oh. And he will decide the margin in the stadium soon to be named after his father. Oh, very good. Josh Dacos. Drop putt. Yes! Good on him. And every magpie bad out of their seat. Every teammate all over him. Dacos puts the final stamp on Collingwood's big Friday night win. The gap in the scoreboard in the first quarter was always going to be hard to peg back against the quality side, but we, we did it bit by bit. And the, the last half in particular was a really strong example of the brand that we want to play more often. And you know, hopefully we're improving and getting closer to it and, and doing it better week by week. The 12 through the middle of the ground and forward of the ball just became complacent. And so as much as that's disappointing and, uh, and deflating, at least we know what it is. At least we know we can fix it. Uh, we've got some salt searching to do pretty quickly. The Magpies fortify their position as they build their brands. Nathan Buckley is our headline guest, while Eastern Wood joins us from the Barron Bulldogs. I think where we're at right now is a reflection of not meeting our capabilities more than um, having set, set expectations that are beyond those capabilities. I would fear for you as coach if the president is holding to the view that you're a top 14. I like the fact that our chairman has high expectations of our footy department and of our playing group. You've got to win games of footy, otherwise the coach is under pressure and, and the scrutiny comes. Right now, uh, the expectations have not been fulfilled. Our football's been unacceptable based on the expectations and we've got lots of work to do. 
A devil of a week for the Saints. Where are they? Who are they? And what are they capable of? Chief Executive Matt Finnis will clear this up. Footy's been hard for me because I associated football uh, with my father. So it feels like a big chunk of my football life is, is missing. I love this footy club, so yeah, there's a bit of, bit of thinking to do. But yeah, hopefully uh, get this foot right and, and make a call on that pretty soon. I'm not going to engage in a running commentary on players from opposition clubs. Beckett won't be the last time I say that. The ball went to Callum and he stumbled on um, just some uneven land and he's broken the bones in foot. And the week in footy, the heartache, the uncertainty, the mishaps and the speculation all in the crunch. It's another massive edition of Crunch Time for Honda's seven-year sale. Great offers on a huge range of new models. See honda.com.au. Melbourne, perfect skies overhead and a lovely May Day coming up. It took a major reversal of fortunes with in-game for Collingwood last night. They played handicap footy from 26 points down. They gave the head start, but it was a compelling second half. 8-9 to 4 behinds, which told the story of two teams. Jared Waitley with you. Dermot Brereton is with me. Hello, Derm. Gee, you think I'd get uh, wouldn't get tripped up by Bob's just turned his on. He's falling for That's the old. That's not true. That's you just turned it. Good morning, Jared. Good, Good morning, Robert. Robert. Good morning, Jared. Good morning. Anthony Hudson will join us shortly from Brisbane on his did way. I, did I? And, and we love all those little pickups that we used during the week. Did, was that Chris Scott who said I'm not going to speculate? Brad. With that Brad. Yep. Oh, okay. I thought if it was Chris. Is that the same Chris who went over and spoke to Travis Boat when he was still on contract? But no, it was his brother. Okay. What's your take out of last night? Dogs. I I just can't get a read on the dogs. Their first half football was not the equal of their, you know, the last month of 2016. But it was somewhere approaching that that was going to push the Magpies by the wayside. And then they just couldn't go the distance, couldn't go the journey. And... Last night, I, I just tried to take the, you know, not a supporter of either club, but the supporter hat off of any way, shape or form and just purely analyse the game. They've got players who can't run out the game. They just are physically not fit or strong enough in a league football sense to run out the game and they can't chase down like they did in those, those the halcyon month in 2016. And yet they've got ex- what I would call experienced players like Mitch Wallace and Dunkley, who are only young men. But, gee, if you've played a premiership or if you've played 80 or 100 games, you should be in the peak of your career. And they're not getting games. And yet we have a talented youngster like Lipinski, who I thought did some amazing things. Bobby does some great things with his hands. He can trap the ball one-handed. And without securing the ball with the second hand, just bang, handballs away and hits a target. And I find that mercurial. But he can't run a chase after half time. Yeah, but it is, he is a guy that does work really hard off the ball. But I was listening to your call last night, Derm, about that. And yet that, that was the that was the read on the game of the the pressure in the first up. The Bulldogs tackling it, looked, awesome. it, it and it was even. They were even across the ground and, and that, I think the scoreboard flattered them a little bit. They were up by twenty six points. But I think Collingwood's pressure they were they were in Well they came in at half time and, and not that we were all geniuses in hindsight, but when we were doing our analytical stuff at half time um, uh, yeah, Luffy, yeah, uh, uh, he talks to us and says, right, this is this and this. And I said, no, no, no Collingwood win easy. And he's gone, really? I said, yeah, yeah. Just, I can't see the dogs running out. 
They've had a couple of 50-metre penalties, which has given them two definite goals. Yeah, they weren't, orth- they weren't orthodox. I didn't yeah. feel I wasn't sitting comfortably with the yeah. when the lead even yeah. was sort of and got Dixon's out. And Dixon's kicked a really good goal from mm. a 50-50 shot. I, I thought they were almost three goals to the better than the way they should have been. And I didn't know whether they could run out the game. So yeah, I thought the dogs out tackled the pies in the first half. They but did, I thought, but they but had I thought, to be in the game. Yeah, that's right. But I thought Collingwood's energy was still pretty good. It didn't look like it wasn't like they were caught on their heels. Or I just, and then once it started, you thought, oh, that it felt very uneasy, and the and the dogs fell off the cliff. It seemed like a night that would give us a pretty good read, and I think it does. Is clearly Collingwood's a better team than the Bulldogs, and the way this season will pan out. So what of Collingwood? They have beaten 18th, 17th. 16th, 14th, and 13th. They've beaten the Crows who are in fourth place. To come, they have teams outside the eights. Fremantle, Carlton, Gold Coast, Essendon, Brisbane, Fremantle. They're six and four. They should be a 12-win team at the least from here. You would think so. Um, once again, we'll be doing a forecast and the likes. You'd, you'd think they're going to beat like that because they, they, they do pressure up pretty well. They do have a good balance of good players mm. and they've got some um, some youngsters who've got some tricks and, and they're not just playing roles they're actually capable some of those youngsters of doing some, some things class. which can swing a game yeah, yeah. I, I, I really feel really good about where Collingwood are at I think they can I think they can make the finals and do some damage I, I, I really love their sense of dare and I, I love that all of a sudden they've, they've got the run but they've, they've got this other layer of class all of a sudden that that spread through, and I th- just their maturity of, like, I think they, their energy and pressure was good. I think the Bulldogs out-tackled them early, like I said, but their their energy and effort was good. But then just a steady, because that's, you know, a 26-point lead, 25-point lead, that, that can get into players' heads, especially some young players, but they, they, looked, they looked really calm under that, methodically worked their way through it, and then just put the foot down and, and went away with it. That's where the benefit of having... Pendlebury and the likes of that sort of ilk it just is a calming influence. Pendlebury and Sidebottom, who just, they just, and I mean Trelaw as well, they just bulldoze their energy and effort just to keep going and pushing and pushing. That That's what drags, that's what drags younger teammates along. So they've got 12 games to go. How many games do you think they could? Eight would be an awesome result. Yeah. So they've, as well as what I've pointed out, they've Seven's won. achievable. They've lost, to, they've lost to ninth, tenth, and eleventh, which I think is probably worth pointing out as well. But, yeah, is they do have this opportunity. They go Fremantle in Melbourne and then Melbourne heading to the buy. So it's nothing so, let's say, 7-5. Then they go Carlton, Gold Coast, Essendon in their next three. So four of their next five, they'll run significant favourites in if they can bank those and they couldn't miss the eight from there, I wouldn't have thought. You wouldn't have think so. No. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. So last night, I thought Grundy set the tone straight after half time. He was physical. He was awesome. He just dominated the ruck. He, he, he made a bit of a mess of Roughhead, to be honest, on a night that I think would leave a few shaking their heads given Roughhead's a leader at the club. And when the when the tide turned, he did nothing to push back against Grundy, either in a physical sense or a technical sense. Is he physically OK? I'm looking at you, Bob. Uh, well, he, he, looked so, he came off a couple of times and looked sore. He grimaced, he ca- and yet the yeah. trainers didn't go to, to him, and he went down on the haunches. No, I, I, I saw that. I saw when he went down on his haunches, and he looked like something was up, and then he took the phone and then copped what looked to be a pretty decent it's verbal spray <laughs> off the coach. It's not always a real indicator. I mean, Rob Harvey used to double up, yep. and then he'd go and run another 200 metres yeah, yeah. in 17 seconds all over the ground. So it's not always an indicator, but... 
for a bloke who doesn't do it regularly, but I don't know if he's playing 100%. No, there was nothing too seem... subtle about the message from the coach, was there? No, it looked like looked like the coach was really disappointed with 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 Big Ruffy, and I, and I suppose the added thing with that is that he's been in and out of the side, Ruffy, and you know they've tried Tim English in there. They really haven't settled with the tools. I mean, they haven't really settled on the 22, the the dogs for for quite a while now. But yeah, so I, th- I think I think Bevo would have been pretty disappointed. You know, there was a big chance for Jordan last night to go up against one of the premier ruckmen, and but but Grundy was probably the best man on he, the ground. He is a gun, Grundy. He's as good as we've seen in the last decade or more in terms of rucking. He is fantastic, and and the, his ability to find the ball around the ground, not just his his craft in the middle, his ability to lay tackles for a big man. Big men don't get that two or three quick step at the bounces to lay a tackle on the opposition all that much. They have to almost accidentally be there and the player runs in them and then they'll tackle. He hunts tackles. Uh, he is like another big-ish Nat Five-size midfielder when it comes to laying tackles and pressuring the opposition. He just happens to be 203 centimetres, so it hurts when he gets you. So the dogs look a legitimate 12, 13, 14. They look considerably worse than last year, which was missing the finals after the premiership. Is Luke Beveridge talks about seeing what the problem is. He knows what the problem is, so he can go to work and fix it, which I, I'm not here to second-guess that. I, I wonder, do they actually have their team for the future? There are so many question marks sitting over whether they have a, a, a team that can grow together and be successful. He's always been a coach that has swung the magnets around a lot of players playing in different positions, a lot of more players than other clubs going in and out of the side. And I think when we had a lot of injuries, that that, that depth was tested and, and it was a real weapon for the club because we are the, the dogs are an, an, are an even side and that's where well, they get rolled easily like last night when when there's a drop-off in... Bontempelli's a superstar, but the rest are pretty... It's a, it's a bit of a matte finish. Oh, McRae's... He's yeah, sorry, so, McRae. Yeah. yeah, he's he's elevated him. And Johannesson's got the potential to get, but he hasn't he hasn't quite hasn't quite taken it there. Can I ask? And once again, add one player into a team, and everybody has injuries. But you add one player into a team, and it doesn't automatically say they win. But sometimes you add one player in, the balance sorts itself out, and mm. the peripheral players get so much better again. Without Morris, is mm. he that much? Of a, 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 a linchpin to them that massive, yeah, but he's not Ma- going to be there next year. No, mm. well, I know, but mm. we. I look at all the older guys that have gone out yourself and Boydie, and uh, it, that's the. Th- I think with the Bulldogs that clubs are loath to have a, a mass exodus of an experienced bunch of players, and that wasn't the plan. Myself and Matty Boyd step aside, but Liam Pickett and Dale Morris are the two most senior players. And they lose them for the first half of the year, so that's really unexpected. So that's when the experience just plummets. I'll, I'll be intrigued to, to when we talk to Easton Wood a little bit later on, just about the effect of of that. So there's a lot of questions sitting over individuals. I reckon maybe more so than most teams. Is so their structural setup is nobody knows about Shacky yet. That's a bit of a, a speculator. Yeah. Uh, Boyd looks far less likely than more likely to be a commanding, consistent presence, not to say that he won't have a league career. Um, English and the Rucks are going to take a couple of years to actually grow, and he's injured for the short term. They have Bontempelli, who we all feel like is possibly the uh, candidate for the best player in the comp, but he's not playing like that. And McRae, who is going to get 40 a lot of weeks and put himself right at the forefront. Beyond that, 
it's question marks over Dalhouse. It's just question marks over most of their team. And the I thing feel. that the, the thing that I'm still battling with in that regard is, and I love your read on it, Bob. It's they have so many players who are 40 to 100 game veterans, and they're 21 to 26 years of age. Now I, I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. That should be the peak of your career. Mm-hmm. And, so, and I'm, I'm looking for veterans at the other end, as we just mentioned yourself, Boydie and Morris, and that. And they're not there. You guys aren't there. But I would think an 80-game veteran should be able to stand his ground and say, right, I'm the man, I, I, this is my role, and I will complete this, and I will be in the best five players, six players, and I will be a reason why we win. Are they? Is there a lot of guys at that club who are 23, 24, or even 25 who are immature mid-20-year-olds? Um, because I find no reason why they shouldn't be the man at this stage. In their in their journey, immature. Oh, it's a it's a bit of a mixed bag, and every footy club is a bit of a mixed bag. But of course I, it is. But but but, yeah. but this group were a wildly mixed bag. There's there's all sorts of different characters and um, different kinds of personalities and football. More extreme than I I'd ever. Yep. I, I but back to that point about the the, the Bulldogs and Luke Beveridge swinging the chains, I think that was a strength for us. I wonder now if it's it's crossed over into almost like a lack of confidence that Bevo's got in... in you're saying, has he got the team he wants? I think... I, I get the read that he's unsure of exactly who fits where. I, I, what I liked last night was... I liked at different... For, for periods, Tom Boyd at full forward, Shacky centre-half forward and, and Roughhead in the ruck. Now, it didn't work out last night, but we, we haven't really seen that consolidation of the talls, let alone the 22. And I'm a bit of a traditionalist, especially with with forward lines and back lines. There is that... There just needs to be that cohesion, that, that human chemistry of getting you... With a Josh Shackey, the, the guys need to... You need to get used to seeing him to kick him the ball. There's a, there is that... You need a bit of familiarity with it. So settle them for the second half of the year, maybe, and, and see what you've got. That, that's what I—that's my read on it, yeah. Yeah, because this is a team that kicked two goals in a game last week and went goalless in the second half last night. Is That's not a team that's imminently successful. Mm. Oh, yeah, I'd have the tools down there and put Luke Delhouse at their feet. Huddo's with us in Brisbane. Hello, Anthony. Hello, Jared, and great to hear... I've just been sitting back listening for the last few minutes. Great chat on the dogs, and great to hear Dermot made it back alive from... He's tripped to Shanghai. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Anthony. It's great to have you join us at uh, 20 Miles Lever There's one person I'm happy to talk punctuality to, Derm. It's you. And you're the only one I've got by the nurries. <laughs> <laughs> Nathan Buckley's about to join us. The news of the morning, Mark Murphy is going to miss three to four weeks with the plantar fascia. So what looked That's like the re-injury last week has proven to be exactly that. And from the Cats, mm. uh, sitting out of the VFL, George Holland-Smith and Aaron Black. You'll recall that Harry Taylor left the training track early on Thursday, so and perhaps another late... With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 
change to their side coming tonight as they prepare to face the Blues. Coming By the up way, Jared, yep. 23 degrees here already. Oh, oh, nice, nice. Nathan Buckley, the Collingwood coach, is next. This is crunch time for Honda's seven-year sale. Great offers on a huge range of new models. See honda.com.au. On 11.16 SEM, the award-winning crunch time for Honda's seven-year sale ends June 30. Crunch time, as you heard, for the seven-year sale of Honda. Great offers on a huge range of new models. See honda.com.au. Still to come, Matt Finnis to talk about the issues, and there's plenty of them at St Kilda. We'll speak to Eastern Wood, the Bulldogs' captain, of course, as we reflect on last night. But right now, we're joined by the coach of the Pies, a man who must have been scratching his head a little in the first quarter as he watched his side slip four goals behind. But by the end of it, Nathan Buckley's Pies had righted the wrongs, won over the Dogs, and they sit at 6-4 and four after a 35-point win. Nathan, congratulations on last night. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Hutto. Yeah, uh, it was, um, the game um, doesn't always go to script, but uh, <laughs> the good opposition, and they, they got off a good start. But we're, as you said, we're able to straighten it up after that. How concerned were you in that? Uh, how quickly were you wanting to get down to the boys at quarter time? Well... I mean, halfway through the first quarter, it was, um, it, was a, it was about one scoring shot each. We'd had the major control of territory, but just hadn't been able to get our hands on it in our own port 50. The dogs had defended pretty well. Um, you know, a couple of goals went on there pretty quick at the end of the first quarter, but um, four goals is... You know, it's, not a, it's, not in, you know, it's not a small margin, but it's not a, a, a sort of insurmountable task and we just needed to you know, get in at quarter time and just make sure that we refocused on what we wanted to achieve and then go out and execute a bit better. In that break, how much do you do and how much do the senior players do in terms of both interacting with you with feedback but also just helping to make those changes that need to be made? Yeah, well they're not sometimes there's no changes, it's just um, re-emphasising you know, what the game is showing us and yeah, what, what clearly what our planning was going in and, and how we wanted to execute and how well we're doing that. So it might not necessarily be about the opposition. It, it might be about uh, some things that we haven't done or that we can do better. And um, I think our, our structure is fairly similar to most. We, we, we jump into divisions you know, first and foremost and the, the divisional coaches look after their, their aspects and the, the, the senior leaders will have a significant impact on that, that discussion. Um, yeah, and then by the time we wind up, we've sort of gone out with a couple of key thoughts and, and focuses for the group. And were the Bulldogs doing anything that you know, either you were surprised at or, or thought they'd do, but were just doing better than, than uh, you'd hoped and, and that you needed to counter specifically? No, well, they're, they're a busy side and they play with good intensity and great effort. And um, yeah, they've, they've played some pretty good footy in the last month and, and they've I know that they feel, you know, through their, their communication last week, they feel like they were up and ready to go. Um, I mean, the real, the big, the big item in the first quarter for us was the fact that we just didn't pressure the ball carrier um, to our usual standard, and it doesn't really matter who the opposition is if you give them time and space, they'll uh, they'll slice you up. And, and our back six has been pretty good all year, and uh, we got hit up on three or four times, and a couple of fifty metre penalties, and you you four goals down. Nathan Dermot here. Uh, congratulations on banking another four points. Hey, uh, that first quarter, I totally agree with you. I actually thought it was an even read. You, you could well have been a goal or two ahead had things gone the right way. 15 entries for two scoring shots. 
your line coach, the forward line coach, can I ask what you would have said to him in broad terms? I know you're never going to give us the, the absolute accuracy, um, which is obviously secret. Can you tell us what your directions to him were or what the questions to him were about the forward line and the setup? Yeah, well, I think, I mean, the, the forwards, as so often, mate, you would know the forwards are, are um, at the end of your offence and so you, you, what happens uh, through the midfield and even out of D50 is... Um, impacts on the forwards' ability to, to find time and space and, and, and get those contests uh, on their terms. Um, as, the, as the back six are relying on the, the pressure on the ball, but we just weren't able to, to present at, our, at the crumb well enough. We didn't take any marks. Um, so Mason and Reedy were competitive, but they weren't clunking them. But at the fall of the ball, often we were 1v2 or 1v3. And even when we were even numbers, we weren't winning it. So the Bulldogs were just crumbing it better. Um, their midfielders were getting nice and deep. So we wanted to try and equalise a little bit more, equalise those numbers um, and improve our front and centre method. Um, funnily enough, we probably the game opened up a little bit. We started going into a more open forward line from full ground ball use. But when we, uh, when we have a contested forward 50, we, we just need to do that better at, uh, at the ground level. Well, at, at the one that concerned me was there was three occasions, I think McRae took one, he might have taken two. A anyway, there was three times the ball travelled through the air, roughly 50 metres, and yet they were uncontested doggy backmen marking the ball. And you just couldn't get anyone to get to that drop of the ball. Yet the ball was hanging in the air for three and a half seconds or so. Yeah, no, and that's a little bit of sometimes it's decision, sometimes it's... Um Sometimes it's roll in front of the ball, but you know, we don't get it perfect. But if you get it right often enough, you uh, you give yourself a chance. And clearly, we're we're able to turn it around. And I thought, you know, that was a sign of real maturity from from our group to be able to finish the game off the way we did. At the last, where are you? Are you who are you watching? Well, uh, Witten Oval, our VFL boys are ah. playing here. So yeah, you you made mention of something there when the the ball didn't come in on their terms. What do you expect of your players? Because that's one of my beliefs is, and that terminology, forwards getting the ball on their terms. Yeah. You know, in in hard clinches, in first quarters like that first quarter, it's not coming in on your terms. What do you expect? Uh, what we got from our forwards, for the most part, which is a which is a um, structure and direction for the for the ball carriers. Their job is to is to be in good shape, so that as the play unfolds in front of them with ball in hand, that the ball carrier has as many choices as possible. We, we don't coach the decision that hard. We're we're really keen for our players to express themselves and to take what the opposition give you defensively. Um, and we need our big boys to be um, to be presenting for the contest if uh, if that ball carrier reckons he's in a bit of he's in a bit of a spot and he needs um, just to throw it on the boot. So I think we've we've done that really well. The balance of you know trying to shift the defence and and take the contest. We're not afraid of contests in front of the ball, and we're probably playing a little bit more forward footy than we have been over the last couple of years. And um, last night was a better example of that as the game wore on, and it probably was a little bit. Um, bit of a slow start given that the last two or three weeks we probably haven't been as prepared to take that contest forward of the ball so it was a good shift ultimately over four quarters. Nathan, Bob here. I'm curious about uh, Matty Boyd's influence during the week. Did you did you uh, lean on him and ask much of advice from him from a, a man who used to be at the Inner Sanctum at the Bulldogs? Uh, yeah, we did, mate, heavily. Um, he ended up um, he ended up doing our opposition meeting, uh, sat in all our uh, match committee meetings and 
Um, when you've got a resource like that, um, I mean, he's been fantastic um, in his own right in, for our program without considering our opposition. But, you know, when you're coming up against his old club, and as you would know, um, Murphy, as he walked into the Witten Oval today, he, he didn't have to walk at all. People started just carrying him sort of around the place. <laughs> and he polished up the statue a little bit. So he's... Um, He's being fated here, but we, yeah, he was really important for us. Sat in the coach's box for the first time last night and um, you know, took the reins at one stage, pushed me aside, said, I reckon I could take two weeks off here. So, no, he's, he's been brilliant, and it was, uh, it was a good week for him. Well, he's still a favourite son out west, despite the fact that he was probably the difference last night. I, I, I just want to ask you about... We were, we were, we were chatting about the, the midfield dominance of the, of the Magpies last night. Who, who did you think was the most influential of the midfielders. Was it the big fella in the ruck or was it one of the worker bees around him who you thought had the most influence last night? No, I thought early we, yeah, we just weren't able to put that pressure on and we were trying to handball through too much pressure ourselves. We just weren't prepared to take yards. I thought as the game wore on, Brody's influence was, was significant. Um, and I thought um, Pendles was was a pretty strong four-quarter performer. Uh, I, I thought that Steele was probably quieter but went forward and, and had an impact late. Um, Adam Trelaw was consistent through most of the night um, and, and Bagoe coming in after half-time for those centre bounces and, and uh, midfield stoppages was was crucial. You've sort of got to share the load, but there's no doubt when the big unit um, starts attacking ground balls, um, when it's in tight and he starts attacking ground balls, he uh, creates a bit of a sway for, uh, for his teammates and we love it when he does that. So give us an insight, Nathan, into his development, Brody Grundy, and where you see him now. Uh, he's um, he's always had a really uh, healthy um, value of himself, not just as a footballer, but as a bloke. And, and we love he's, he's got some layers, Broads, and um, he's he's always wanting to improve, always wanting to learn. In the first couple of years, he was just I think he, he spent that much time at the club working on his craft, and you see that and you love it as coaches. But he's he's modified that now. He knows when it's when it's good time and, and when he's really applying himself and when to get away and switch off. So his balance and where footy fits in his life has always been a strong point, but I think that's just getting better and better. Um, he's, um, he never takes uh, the accepted view as the final view. He's always prepared to challenge the status quo, and I love having the conversations I have with Broads around it. Um, and and uh, he's... Fortunately, uh, for a ruckman, he's quite intelligent, so it's, it's, it's good to it's good to be able to have those chats with him. But he's he's probably his prototype, you know, future ruckman, isn't he? He's, he's, he's he could be a midfielder in his own right around stoppages if um, if we needed him to be. We've we've toyed with putting Mason in the ruck and letting Brody, you know, just go to town uh, at ground level, but. We probably uh, we get that anyway because after the hit out, he's he's, he's almost the first bike down um, in any contest uh, um, when he's on. Just on that, are things changing with Ruckman? We're seeing them. I mean, obviously we've seen the evolution of this non-second Ruckman. We've seen West Coast still have the two, but just the yeah. major Ruckman in the competition are dominating almost like never before, both in terms of hit outs, but particularly in terms of possessions. Yeah, I think it's part of the psyche of you know of any player really, but probably more prevalent in Ruckman than anywhere else because they really are the last of the, the single role players. Like most half forward flankers can play on the wing or half back flank. Most key forwards might be able to go to the back line at a pinch or vice versa. But Ruckman are Ruckman. And um, so there's a bit of um, 
there's a bit of a chest beating that goes on with that. And when they are the sole guy, generally the right personality, when he's the sole guy, he takes that responsibility on. And when Brodes is the sole guy, he's always, it's, it always seems like he just, just grows a little bit, another 10 or 15%, because he realises how important he is to his teammates, how crucial his um, performance is going to be, because no one else is going to come in and play that role and, and he's standalone. So... We've got we've got Mason there to back him back uh, Broads up as our number one, and, and Mason can uh, can handle himself in the ruck uh, on his own right. Uh, but we see different um, different clubs use different tactics, and the rules of the day allow uh, allow that to happen with smaller ruckmen at the moment. Nathan, given that you've got Sharonberg playing so well in key defensive posts, Lyndon Dunn doing the same, it would seem that the, the the sort of floating big men you have. I know you ran Reedy behind the ball for a few minutes in the, late yep. in the first quarter. But with Reed, you would think, given your druthers, if you play them where you want, Brody in the ruck, Mason forward, relief rucking when need be, Reed forward, and no need in the back line with those two we've already mentioned. Where does Moore fit in? Well, let's get him fit first, then. Um, I think the plan, I mean, I know the plan was to, to get him in behind the ball, but, you know, Lyndon Dunn's form's been first class. Matty Schoenberg's come up, and and really, they're as a as a as, as our key backs, they're probably not prototype shape and size yep. across the competition at the moment. Um, they're both quite big body. They're, um, they're very strong in the aerial contest, but they're they're um, small enough to, to handle themselves at ground level and to be able to you know cover the ground to you know to, to cover medium types. So they've. Um, They've been really good for us, and you're right. When you look at our balance at the moment, you know where does where does Das fit? You know, so the likely he's, he's come back in the side twice as a forward, um, and that is probably his likely his likely in. Um, but having said that, I'm sure Reedy and Coxie have something to say about that, um, and it'll be dependent on form when we when we get the players up and about. But it's a good position to be in as a match committee because we want um, as many boys competing for spots as possible. Now, we, we normally ask, oh, what do you think of such and such from an opposition club? And they say, oh, I'm not willing to talk about anyone from an opposition team. Yeah. What's it like to have someone like Darcy Moore when there is speculation from the outside of other clubs going after him? How, how, does, how does that sit with you as a coach? And do you have conversation with him? Well, it's, 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 how does it sit? It's like every other day, Derm. Only, only it's um, it's there's an article written about it, but, but that is the reality of, um, of of football at the professional level. Um, there's a game within a game that takes place under the rock, and every now and then the rock gets lifted, and we sort of have, have, have a look at that. And um, at the moment, for us, it's Darcy and Geordie. Um, we've just signed, you know, four boys: Braden Sire, ready for another year. We've got a couple of boys that we've like Jaden Stevenson locked away again, so. We're not sitting on our hands. Um, uh, so when other clubs would mention it or when it's mentioned, you know, it's just, it really is just another day at the office. Um, we're, we're really confident in the environment we're building where, you know, the relationship that, that, that both of those boys have and all of our, you know, all of our players have with the club is really strong at the moment and we continue to want to build that. We'll focus on that rather than any speculation or scuttlebutt. After ten rounds, do you do you have you got a feel now for where you are in in, in the roughly in the, in the competition? Yeah, about six 
four. Hello. Okay. Um, <laughs> I reckon uh, that's the smart-ass response. Crew. It is, isn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you but, went to um, it. I did. I always do. Sorry, buddy. Um, I reckon, um, no, I, I mean, I think we've played... Like the last three weeks after the, you know, so we got Richmond in round six and played some good footy there, but sort of dropped off late. And at, um, you know, at, at four and, t- at, what, three and three at that point, I thought, you know, that was fair, but I thought we played some pretty good footy um, for that month. Um, I reckon um, we the last three weeks, Brisbane, Geelong and St Kilda, we just didn't quite play as well as we would have liked or, or as close as we would like to, to impose ourselves on the game, uh, even though we won two of those games. Uh, I thought we got back a little bit closer to what we want to see. and So really, without looking at the, uh, the rest of the competition, I, I reckon we sort of came off a little bit for three weeks. The performance last night was encouraging. We've got a, a couple of games into the bye that we really want to reinforce that style. And the opposition have got to say in this, clearly. But you know, we've still got a lot of growth in us and without looking at you know where we stack up against the comp, we think that we've still got that growth and we're going to focus on that and, and hopefully um, develop that over the next um, four to six weeks. What's got more growth, your team or your beard, do you think? <laughs> Risky. Um, it's a matter of opinion. Oh, do you think I should go social with it, mate? It seems to... Oh, it should have its own Insta page. <laughs> I think I, I think the people should speak about what, what I should do with it. I mean, I... I it's the people's beard, I like it. Isn't it? Oh, no, I don't know, I wouldn't get in Ben Hudson's way. <laughs> Shave the guts out of it, Bucks, and just have handlebars. <laughs> well, it's, it started there as a particular part of our game that um, that we we weren't going to change anything structurally, um, but we just needed to sharpen up our intent on it. So the players, if they keep a clean sheet on it, then the coaches aren't, weren't allowed to shave. And if, the, if, oh. the, if, they, if they let a goal up, well, then the players weren't allowed to shave. So <laughs> since we've brought that in a month ago, um, there's been three clean sheets and, and one and and, uh, and one where the players have had to um, not grow. It's it's a bit murky and muddy. And, and the fact is that I've probably ignored that. I'm just growing it anyway. But <laughs> that's where it's, that, was the, that was the catalyst for it at the beginning. Thanks for the explanation. No. Do you ever go to the team? Oh. Sorry, I know, I know but yeah. you raise an interesting point, Bucks. Have you ever said to your team, look, guys, blah, 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 well done, not well done, I coached bad today, we coached bad today? Do you ever put it back on yourself towards, uh, in front of the group? Yeah, well, so for the, the most recent example of that, I try not to do it too often, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think vulnerability and honesty is good, but not at the, not at the uh, point of being... Uh, Incapable, but um, <laughs> uh, like when we reviewed our game against St Kilda, um, we were pretty strong on on the fact that we we were able to finish that game off and win the game. But we we were a long way away from how we actually some some of the areas that we wanted to execute. So in review, we had a look at those and said that we need to get back to controlling the things that we that we value and 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 doing them better. Um, the players can execute it better. I think I think we can coach it better. Um, and we're going to go do that because we, we're not... Um, the players are the ones that go out and get the job done and have to get the job done. There's no beating around that, but it is a real... It's a strong relationship with the coaching, coaching group and the players to be able to be really clear on what the, we think the game's going to look like and where, where the opportunities lie. And So, yeah, you've got to put your hand up if you don't get it right, mate. Yeah. Nathan, thanks for joining us. I really appreciate it. Good luck for the rest of the season.
on 1116 SEM. The award-winning crunch time. The Honda seven-year sale ends June 13. Game. Easton, welcome to Crunch Time. Thanks for having me, guys. So two goals last week, two goalless quarters again last night. Is this a bit deflating for you as a collective? Um, yeah, it's certainly um, certainly disappointing, mate. Um, after a really positive, um, you know, particularly first quarter, and um, you really, were, you know, we would have liked to have kept that, obviously kept that going. So yeah, it was disappointing to only uh, yeah to not keep going that second half. What was the change in the game, Easton, either after quarter time or after half time from your perspective? I really felt um, we, we had a good energy around the ball in that, in that first half, but um, in that second half particularly, Collingwood really got on top and their ability to um, exit the ball from their, their D50. So being a, we weren't able to hold the ball in our, our front half and they were able to um, yeah, really get on top in that area. Woody, Bob here. Um, Pretty, some pretty strong emotive language from from Luke Beveridge in the in the post match. What can you take us into the into the meeting room after the game? What was the mood in there? Uh, yeah, Bob, it was um, obviously pretty pretty flat. Um, you know, Bevo he wanted to to get uh, an understanding from us about what what we thought had happened and and the whys around it. Um, obviously, at that point, you know, straight after a game, as you know, Bob, it's hard to dissect the. The detail, um, you can understand what's happened, but as far as why, uh, we weren't really too sure. So we were trying to unpack a little little bits and pieces there, and obviously he was disappointed um, as as were we. Did did much come to light? Were there were there players to offer up some some insight? Yeah, there was a few little bits and pieces. Um, as, as I mentioned, uh, their midfield probably getting on top, um, particularly in that third quarter. Uh, they really really got a run on, um, and yeah, just not being able to hold the ball in our front half, so pressure from the mids and the forwards to be able to, to hold it in um, to stop their stop their exits, which we just couldn't do. In, in, you mentioned in that third quarter because the, the, the Collingwood midfield was almost an annihilation, really, from, from, from that point on. Can you take us out onto the ground... Is there much communication? What, what's the what's the what are you what are yourself and the other leaders? What what can you do? What's the messaging out there? The message you can really only come back to is is just that that next contest. Look, we've, we've at that point when they've when they've had a run on, it's like okay, well let's just let's just focus and try and reset and and win that next one and just try and build um, you know arrest momentum by just getting a, a few of those little wins. Um, now that was the message, but unfortunately, um, yeah, we just we couldn't adjust and we couldn't get those couldn't get those little wins whether it's a hand in there or a little a little smother and and just um, you know slow the slow the game down to a bit of a grind um, to try and arrest that momentum but we just couldn't do it. Eastern Dermot here. Uh, we thank you for coming on on mornings like this, but as you know when you when you're on the losing side on crunch time on a Saturday you come on you you face the music so there, there are hard questions that need to be asked. Your team in recent history over the last couple of years have played incredibly well when they go with the grind for four quarters and it is it's physically demanding and and therefore it can become soul destroying even when you win because of the mental demands placed on players your first quarter was full of the grind you out pressured collingwood you you did all those things that have made you in recent history a great team how come your team can't do it for four quarters now? Is it is it 
mentally exhausting for them as a collective or are they just not fit enough to get the job done over four quarters? Um, well, that's what we're going to be unpacking this week to, to have a look at, have a look at them. I think, um, well, I think one of the words used there was soul destroying. That's certainly not <laughs> a term I'd, I'd, I'd be using. But you look, we've we've had a bit of change, and we've got some, um, you know, a bit of a younger, younger list than what we've um, probably had previously. So it's just being able to adjust um, and understand what we need throughout that that entire thing. And I think we're just it's just an adjustment period, and we've got a lot of learning to. Um, a lot of learning to do and yeah hopefully make that happen sooner rather than later so with those younger players who come in and obviously they've got talent if you can't go the journey with some of those younger players how come there's what i would call experienced players or grand final players premiership players that can't get a game um it could be a number of things mate um those young boys are showing some really some really great signs um in particular i thought ed richards um last night had a had a great game. He's got some wonderful athletic traits um, that he's been using, and his um, his ability to defend last night was was great. And he's he's a it's a player that um, you know is ahead of some of those players you're talking about. Um, and a few of those boys down at, at VFL level, I'm here at the VFL game now. We're hoping they put their their best foot forward to get their form up to be able to push themselves back into the team. And, and I love how you you view it that way. And and the, the word I pick up on there is hope. Are you bewildered at the drop-off of the dogs? Uh, no, no, I'm not. Um, bewilderment's not a word I'd use. I think it's just been, um, you know, we've we've got a, a, a different challenge now. Um, you know, we're not where we'd probably, you know, where we'd like to like to be, and um, and certainly not performing, um, you know, to the best of our ability or what we think we can we can produce over four quarters. So. I'd just say, um, yeah, mate, we're disappointed with that performance, but, yeah, we're looking to, to turn it around. And, and it's a hard-hitting one right on the end, mate. How many times did Bevo have to pose for a selfie last night? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not entirely certain, Adam, but I'm sure <laughs> you might have learned that he can say no at different times with that stuff. <laughs> well, Easton, a tough night. Uh, we appreciate you fronting up, and good luck for the back half of the season. The award-winning crunch time for Honda's seven-year sale ends June 30. Friday night footy saw Collingwood beat the Western Bulldogs by 35 points. Jared Waitley and Anthony Hudson with you on crunch time for Honda's seven-year sale. Great offers on a huge range of new models. See honda.com.au. Dermot Brereton and Bob Murphy with their three key takeouts from oh, last well, night. Before we do, Bob, mm-hmm. see, even the best get it wrong. Jared didn't have his switch on and you just missed it. Oh, no. Don't think we're going to let that slide I can't believe I've missed that. Oh, you turned. think you got away with it, much these days. Uh, yeah. Nathan Buckley, the Collingwood coach. Now, the last two years, the Magpies, nine wins in each of the past two. They're six and four. They have given themselves a real opportunity. I thought we got back a little bit closer to what we want to see. and So, really, without looking at the, the rest of the competition, I, I reckon we sort of came off a little bit for three weeks. The performance last night was encouraging. We've got a, a couple of games into the bye that we really want to reinforce that style and the opposition have got a say in this clearly but you know we've still got a lot of growth in us and without looking at you know where we stack up against the comp we think that we've still got that growth and we're going to focus on that and 
and hopefully um, develop that over the next um, four to six weeks. Fremantle, Melbourne, Carlton, Gold Coast, Essendon. Should we expect Collingwood to play finals from here? Yes. Just a straight yes. It's an easy yes for me. Yeah, I think they're, they're one to watch. Real, that that strong, Bob. Yeah, I, I've right from the start. I just think they've got they play with real purpose. They've got enough role players. They've got they've got good depth in that side, but they've got some good star quality as well. And they, they play with dare. And they play they've 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 got the buzz at the moment. Tiny bit lost in rounds one and two. Since then, they've strung together three wins in a row. Then they went loss win. Loss, win, win. But it's been it's been bankable sort of effort though, hasn't? Yeah. I think there's almost yeah. a. Uh, and even against Richmond, I thought though, given how good Richmond are on this ground here, the MCG, I thought their game that day was pretty good. They I think, were, yeah, average. This, we've seen, yeah, we've seen so many sides this year. Even sides near the top of the ladder, the the best and worst efforts have been quite yo-yoing. Well, I yeah. think I think Collingwood have been one of the more sure of bets. I think they've I think internally they've they've got some really good momentum. I, I get a sense even listening to Nathan Buckley, that they're feeling a bit of that momentum. Yeah, they're, they're average against Geelong, and as Buck said, they maybe had dropped off a little bit. But yep. uh, is there, what's their weakness then, which would stop them progressing even either to the eight or, you know, deep good, into finals? A good forward line with either a plethora of small forwards or two or more overhead marking forwards will trouble them. They'll have to reshuffle to give Lyndon Dunn and Sharon Berg a hand, or, I mean, not that there is many specialist small lockdown backmen, but if you've got two or three small forwards uh, capable of creating havoc, that is going to hurt them if both teams get equal supply. Their double-up games are Carlton, Essendon, Brisbane Lions, Fremantle and Richmond. They are now in no excuses. Apart Mm. apart from the Tigers, that's lovely. Yep. Uh, Can we see the Bulldogs being a good team again? This is their captain, Easton Wood, facing up to the struggles and the reality of their position. Uh, No, no, I'm not. um, Bulldogs not a word I'd use. I think... It's just been, um, you know, we've we've got a, a, a different challenge now. Um, you know, we're not where we'd probably, you know, where we'd like to like to be, and um, and certainly not performing, um, you know, to the best of our ability or what we think we can we can produce over four quarters. So I'd just say, um, yeah, mate, we're disappointed with that performance, but yeah, we're looking to to turn it around. Bob, can you see them being a good team again this year? Soon. Uh, I can see them soon. I've got some big questions. I'm, the thing I go straight to is the talls. The the question marks in the ruck, the, they are quite tall. Roughhead English, Trengove, I'm not sure where his best spot is, but, but a lot of it comes back to Shacky and Tom Boyd, where, where they sit and where, what their ceiling is and how close they can get to it. But with, with all due respect to those two, you wouldn't want to have the faith of your club in those two from what we've seen at the moment, would you? No, really? that's, that's, where, that's where my sort of... Um, questioning is coming from a bit of a lack of and yet it should because they are pick one and pick two in consecutive drafts this is sort Mm. of the this is the problem i reckon is you can make the case on paper but it just doesn't look like that in person gotta give shacky time though don't i mean he may have been number two how much time do you want well i i know but i mean that he was a pick two but they didn't get him for pick two so what did they pay for him? Yeah, yeah, forget the picks. 30. We're talking about the young man, what we see. Yeah, and I, I, I don't, he has uh, kicking talent as yeah. a six foot five, so-called mobile key forward, and I, and he still is a youngish man, but he's been around long enough for us to get a view on the body of his work. Yeah, I don't think we're not expecting 
him to come out and kick you know 30 goals in the second half of the year or even no. 20 goals but I think we're, we're looking for the sparks of, of what he might end up being and I haven't I just haven't quite seen it yet that that mm. that's the question mark that the grit and the for, will to compete he, and I yeah, just haven't seen it yet he's got to want it he's got to want it that was the question that every other club had why they didn't chase him hard because they weren't convinced he had that competitive desire that and I you think need that's to have. The, that's that's the that's the worrying thing I think Hutto, is that there there is there has been the question mark on it and I just you know we've seen a few nice kicking moments but I, I still haven't seen that that real will yet can I one question we see young, some young guys and we see them come in and then by 26 we look at him and say he's a monster I don't know if Josh Shackey's body shape is ever going to be a monster I don't know if he's ever going to be a big, powerful-looking Jonathan Brown-style over... You know, over you know, some blokes walk out in the ground and you go, oh, how am I going to contain him? I don't know if that body is going to fill out. I don't know. And to me, I look at him now, and this is just supposition. It's from the outside, so it, hell, how would I know? But the overall feeling I get is that that boy walks into the gym and he says, what, what's my gym tasks today? All right, I'll do that. At, it's not as if I don't view this kid as someone who goes in the gym and says, I have to be the strongest key forward in the league. I don't know if he's got that grit. I don't know if he has that desire. He's only 20, Derm. I know. And we've seen three years of him. But that's young, isn't it, still, for a key forward? Yeah. It's young to deliver week in, week out. But I, that's not what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's, no, it's more those, more those, yeah, more those, those little markers yeah. along the way. Uh, look, and I'm, I'm only because the conversation's going this way, I feel like I'm trying to run it down, and I'm not. I'm just trying to speak truth of what I see. Yep. His biggest haul is two goals. Yeah. No, there's no doubt. It's yeah. He, he hasn't given us any evidence. The evidence that he's provided to have any faith is from when he was the problem 16 is, or 17. The problem is with a lot of these key position kids, and, and I agree with the, the philosophy at TAC Cup level, to see these boys, to see them actually competing against each other in one-on-one so we get a read on them so they can see the game. We have this area rule where if the ball's out of bounds, bounded line, throw in, ball up in the middle, you have to have X amount of players within your forward 50 at the start of this. So we have a kid who's 6'5", 6'6", and he competes against another opposition backman at TAC Cup level, and the opposition backman will probably be 6'3", 6'4", and they beat them one-on-one. And that's what we recruit them on, because they take four, five contested marks every second week, every... Every third week, they'll take two. They'll kick twos, four goals here, that. And we say, that's a key forward prospect. And it, and it is. That's all we can go on. And then we put them up to league level, and we ask them to come out and play as a key forward, and they have never done it in their life. Because in junior footy, everyone runs around, follows the ball. At TAC Cup level, you've got one or two opponents in the vicinity. And then at league level... You've got eight blokes clawing at you, bumping you out of the way, making sure you, they take your run, making sure the, they use professionalism, and these young key forwards have no idea how to deal with it. It's an awful job for them to come in, and Josh Shackey shows all the signs of a young man who has very little idea how to combat this game at the moment. And, and the kid does have kicking talent, and he obviously has a little bit of height about him and size, and the things you see and you like... But he's so far off being a four-goal-a-game 
every third or fourth week player, which is what you'd hope for, yeah. 30 to 40 goals a year. Can, can I ask you one last one on the dogs before we move on, uh, on individual player? And, Jared, you referred to it earlier when I was listening, which is the bond. Is his lack of not being in that conversation right at this very moment of the absolute top player, I mean, he, he's, he's, he is generally in that conversation, but that's not how he's playing right now. Is that just a form thing, um, or is he a, a victim of how the team's playing, or is there something else? I think it's always a combination, Hutto, but I, I, I get the sense that he, he missed a few weeks ago with a, with a hip. I know he's battled a hip before that. Um, against Brisbane, he played almost almost the whole game at full forward. Yeah. I think I think he's I think he's pretty sore at the moment. He looks like he's carrying something to me. All right. It's 10 minutes past 12. This is crunch time for Honda's seven-year sale. Great offers on a huge range of new models. See honda.com.au. Uh, I want to start with the Blues with you, Derm. Should the season continue along these lines, and Jake Noel made this case in the age, would Carlton, should Carlton, get a priority pick? Do they deserve it? Oh, that's a, uh, you, you could definitely mount claims for it, but should they push for it? Oh, bloody oath, they should push for it. Yeah, I doubt they'll get it. I doubt they'll get it, even if they push for it. Um, I, I, I have yeah. faith in, uh, and I heard, and I heard Jared speak at 360 during the week with Robbo, and Jared, I think your words were, I don't see it. Yep. I don't see the, the way they're able to game, put their game style together. I don't see that. But I see raw talent at that club that I reckon, and, and in this day and age, it's harder to put the game together if you're not physically capable of competing. And quite frankly, a lot of their boys aren't at the moment, but they have talent. It's the first time I've seen talent at that club, like a raw talent. So I think this is part of the broader conversation around... Uh, Comp this is the compensation. Maybe it's needed more in the age of free agency because young free agents don't want to go to Carlton or Brisbane. Maybe they want to go to Brisbane now, but they don't want to generally go to those bottom teams that have been languishing for a while because, they, they yes, they want money, but they also want success. So maybe we've got to hand out more compensation to help those teams. What so do you think? They had priority picks in 2005 and two in 2007. They had picks 1, 4, and 20, followed by 1, followed by 1 and 17, followed by 6. It should have set them up for a generation to come. This is their own fault. Is this absolutely... It would be an outrage if you, Carlton was given a priority many, pick. many... Hawthorne won three premierships in a row, and they got a lot of draft picks. They chose Mitch Thorpe before a bloke called Selwood. Uh, you can get them wrong. They got a few right, though, Dem, didn't they? Got, yes. Yeah, there's a bloke called Franklin. Ruffhead. I don't know if there's... There's, no, there's not too many clubs who love this game. You could have nah, had him ahead you of... You could have had, yeah. <laughs> the recruiters yeah. sort of... Well, Richmond have forgotten about the, the Pavlich ahead yeah. of... Um, Fiora. Fiora. <laughs> Fiora now, because they won a premiership. There'll be a, there'd be a mutiny if Carlton was given a priority pick. If you speak to other clubs about how Carlton's depicting themselves, what they've been through and where they are now, there would be a mutiny if there was step in to give them access to yet more talent given what they've had in recent times. Do you reckon the AFL really worry about those mutinous yeah, calls? Yeah, I, I do. I think when you consider giving priority picks, you have to actually consider whether it's fair to everybody else. Uh, and I think it would be... The AFL unfair. have always struck me as the life and times of Judge Roy Bean. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. just don't care. If they want to do something, they're going to go ahead and do it. They're judge and jury. So does Mark Murphy owe Carlton anything, do you think? I don't think so. 
personally, I think he's been there quite a long time. His body of work, he's played a handful of finals. He's been in their best one or two players for the majority of his career. He's been smashed around at that club. So, no, I wouldn't think he owes them anything. He's been, like everybody, you can't get away from the fact that league footballers are paid employees as well. We all talk about all this loyalty aspect that they're paid employees. Yeah, I don't know if he owes them anything, Hutto, but I, but I, I, I hope he stays. But I, Why? Uh, because I'm a football romantic, You're a romantic. Yeah. yeah. yeah you and and, I, and who, who knows? I, I, would, I just would hate to see... I have that, that nagging thought of because there is this raw talent at Carlton. I know that we've got serious doubts on where they go, but if they got it right in the next year or two and Mark Murphy's chased something somewhere else and he and he misses out on that, that would be that would be devastating for football followers. Is it a good idea to have Malcolm Blight, Lee Matthews and Mike Sheehan involved in the rules discussion? Actually, we should check with both of you first. Have either of you been called by Steve Hocking? Sort of all cards on the table? <laughs> no. No. Okay. no not so you're here. free to pass judgment? I haven't been either, Jim. <laughs> if I was, the game would be considerably more robust. I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the comments I, of the year. I, I, so would, I, would have, I would have Blighty on every uh, committee available in the game because yeah. he's the he's the flag bearer for the football eccentrics. Hutto, we should have a round, a mind of blighty round where yeah. he just gets yeah. to implode yeah. and pose yeah. any set up. He gets like, that is good. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, even even things that have little to do with game day, like the peace pipe it ceremony is, yeah. at the club. Yes. <laughs> Players yeah. gotta walk across hot coals. I oh, know that was crap. A bloody made uh, Austin McCrabb stand aside from the the huddle. And <laughs> Defenders wouldn't be allowed to punch. They'd just have to fly for their marks. Torps would be great. Torps, yep. Uh, yeah, no, he, yeah, I think that's a good call, Bob. He, he, he is a flag bearer for weird-ass suggestions. Yeah. But I, I like, the, I like the, the sound of those names on the committee. Get them on there. Get everyone to put their thoughts into the building. Yeah. I, I'd like to see somebody even more, uh, at least one more person of a contemporary. Yeah, I think that's year. happening as well. Yeah. yeah, I think those the three names. Nineties into the two thousands. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Sorry, Jared, I'm a little bit slow. Uh, <laughs> Dane Beams, how upsetting is it to see? And I thought he was absolutely brilliant. He was so vulnerable in how he spoke during the week. It was incredible as he stepped down. A, how upsetting was that to see? But does it, does it tell us? What does it tell us about the modern footballer and maybe the modern captain? Bob, you're the most sensitive of the two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just sorry, Dan. Yeah, I've a, got feelings. Yeah, that's right. Um, what did I think about it? I thought it was I thought it was really brave by Dane Beams. Um, I think I think there's a there's a new kind of empathy. I think that that's I think that's a new style of leadership we see in the game these days. Uh, and I think it, it speaks as much to the to the the weight of responsibility of the of captains of a footy club these days. And and he, you know, it was just one one more one thing he could sort of take a bit of pressure off that he's he's dealing with. You know, the one of the heaviest things there is the grief of the, losing his losing his dad. So I think it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a nice to see that the football community embrace the decision and put their arms around him. Would that never he, have happened to say, even in your early days, or certainly in Derm's days, that a, a captain may have had the same problems, the same feelings of grief, but just would have never thought of stepping down as captain? Hard to say, but probably not. My my gut reaction is probably not. 
Probably not. I think I think it's a step forward for the for the game. I, I like the fact, as a spectator to that scenario, I like to see the human story behind league players, the the emotion, journey, the emotional journey that players make or are within at that period in time. It it's so easy to see player number one, two, three in any coloured jersey and say right. He's a brilliant sportsman. He's highly paid. Gee, life must be good for him. There's a there's a journey behind everyone. And I like to actually see that. And you, you see the vulnerabilities and the and the strengths as well. And it, and it yeah, it fills in a, a bit of a story. It's better reading than uh, than, than fiction. So uh, I like to, to view that. I, I made me think. Hado, your club had a wonderful story once. There was they had wore black armbands for. Ben Graham and his dog died. Remember that? <laughs> I do remember that. Yeah. yeah the greatest moments. I'm oh, oh, sorry for underestimating your sensitivity too, Jim. Yeah. Down Kittanea Parkway as Gary Ablett goes back to play for the hoops at that ground again. Is he at the crossroads? Uh, no. He's done everything he needs to do. So I don't know crossroads, but but he, he definitely needs a, a good body of work for the next, somewhere in the next six weeks, you want to put, you know, a few good games together. And that way we see Gary Ablett in the great status that we have become accustomed to. Because at the moment, he, there, there comes a time, and it happens with most sportsmen, where you, you sort of go, when's enough? I mean, I remember getting punched in the back of the head so many times as a forward, but I mean, it's all serious. And you think to yourself, when's enough? Yeah. And, and Gary's copping, and they're probably massive knocks to him but seemingly from the outside he's still moving his head he's still moving his arms around after he cops a knock and I'm thinking he's not knocked out but he's staying down an awful long time yeah. and, and I'm looking at him and saying is his hunger for the appetite to accept physical contact and say right uh, grit my teeth get up yeah, I'm Gary Albert I'll get another 25 in the possessions of the second half is that hunger still there so On 1116 SEM, the award-winning crunch time for Honda's seven-year sale ends June 30. Welcome to crunch time. It is for Honda's seven-year sale. Great offers on a huge range of new models. See honda.com.au. We've reflected already on last night's win by the Pies, a 35-point victory over the Western Bulldogs. Plenty of discussion at the moment around the other issues in footy, and there's not too many bigger than the Saints, and their CEO, Matt Finnis, will join us very, very shortly after uh, a week of managing expectations. Uh, but let's get back to the crunch. Uh, and just one question on uh, on Patrick Dangerfield. Are they using him properly at Geelong, do you think, Dern? Yeah, I was saying before <laughs> before we got so rudely interrupted by the Gremlins, <laughs> um, I think it's on a... a, a a need basis for the next six to eight weeks is your, your most valuable commodity. So if you've got a game in hand, throw him forward, take the heat out of his body so he doesn't get bashed around because he just naturally is such a competitive battering ram anyway. Um, I think you just mix it up and, and utilise him to conserve him. But this given their clearance weakness at the moment, is it you know, is it they not got him to the club to address that. Yep. He did last year. He's still at the club now, and he's spending a fair bit of time in the middle, and it's not happening that way. I, I think they can... 
Well, put it this way. I think their strength has been their ability to lock up teams. Yep. And that's where they've uh, been a, a scoring team out of their back half in their winning games over the last five weeks. Uh, they did it to Adelaide over there, which was incredibly good. They did it to GWS, couldn't move the ball. So they've almost learned to win without getting... Uh, I mean, you don't want to actually say, this is the way it's going to be and we'll let it r- keep running this way. But I think you know what you're going to get from him. They've got to put some time into other players to get the clearance rate up. Is it too simplistic of you? I, I, I look at the... And as much as... I was like like all footy fans, I, wa- I really want to see... Dangerfield, Selwood, Ablett in the in the centre square. That's what, that's the dream team midfield. You want to yeah. see that. But I, even watching Gary last week, I thought Dangerfield seventy percent midfield, thirty percent forward, and the exact opposite for for Gary, where they just go that one-two punch. I, I just I, as simple as you that wanted, sounds. You, you want them all in the midfield. That, that's like having no, three no, so first no, no. ball. So, so I'd play Gary over bowlers I'd play, bowling in the one team. So yeah. I'd have Gary seventy percent forward. I don't think Gary likes that. No. It's not really up to oh, Gary. <laughs> I know. I know, but I mean, the way... You're yeah. dead right, it's not up to Gary. Yeah. But the way he plays, I don't... His his uh, capabilities like that. Yeah. I mean, if you play as a stay-at-home forward, you have to have an attribute which gives you a, a, a shot at goals, a shot at creativity of creating, yeah. uh, 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 making goals. I don't know if Gary has that, apart from bursting out of the middle through the centre and coming forward and kicking towards... I just you know. think he's such he's such a smart player that I think if you just if, if you put him down there for... A, and just have him as a roaming... He just... They're there to roam and yeah. then pinch it on the ball. Yeah. And this is probably... Because I think he's one of the most incredible players I've ever seen. I don't think Gary will stand under the ball when required as a stay-at-home forward. Yep. The Giants... What sense of urgency is there around tonight as they face up to Essendon? They finally get a few players back, but yeah. they are outside looking in. So if they don't turn this around shortly, it, it might get out of reach really quickly. Uh, th- that's a great call. Massive uh, game for them. Uh, I like Kelly coming back in. He makes their midfield look from, oh, that's a good midfield to, gee, how do you fit them all in there? With is it, is this the plan? I'd love to know if this is the... This is the the conservative plan to have Kelly back or if there is a little bit of we got we just have to get mm. some of these boys back in I think they'd be going into tonight saying we're probably 70% sure we can win this yep. I mean you go into every game saying we'll win this yeah, blah 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 rah rah but I think they are pretty confident they can win this with given the right amount of effort but they would have been the same against West Coast without their three of their four best players out there as well and then they got knocked over on their own own turf. Uh, it, it is, I won't say desperation stakes, but every game should be. Tough that way. team to prepare for, Bombers, because of big, because which, which one do yeah. you get? And that, well, don't that ask John Warsfold that. Well, that can be a bit unsettling when you in, in the you know in the build up when you're looking at the opposition, going, well, hey guys, here's here's the here's the intel on this side. Mind you, there's two versions. And the thing with the Giants is there is so much talent there, and I know they've been depleted through you know injury. But there's so much talent there. The temptation is to say, we are good. We will play this way to the best of our capabilities, and it's all about you. And that gives opposition coaches a chance to go, right, they have A, B, C, X, Y, Z. Let's take Y out of it. Let's hunt C and really lock down on it. You can hunt the Giants because they predominantly try and play their game 
and you know what they're going to come with. Still on Sydney teams, how significant is Callum Mills's injury, do you think, to Sydney's Premiership quest? I, I, it's, it's obviously a loss. He's a he's a he's a gun player for them. I, I think I think Sydney can cover it. I think they've got a, they've, they've got, got a lot a, of those uh, intercepting defenders. Yeah, they, they do, and they they've got a good history of, of grooming those guys for that specific role. So I think with it amongst those other experienced defenders, I think they can I think they can cover one. Yep. <laughs> Anthony, you're, you're there. Yeah. Well, yeah, I agree. Totally agree. I would just be repeating that. Yeah. Hello for you. Yep. How big a mess has Friday night's fixturing been this year? We've got Essendon, Adelaide, North Melbourne, St Kilda, Carlton, Collingwood, Adelaide, Collingwood, Sydney, Adelaide, Bulldogs, Carlton, Geelong, GWS, Hawthorne, Sydney, Adelaide, Bulldogs, Collingwood, Bulldogs, and to come next week, we've got Sydney, Carlton. So there's a few that might have panned out better than they did. There's only really one good game in there. And then there's just rank unforced error after unforced error. Yeah, I mean, look, fixturing always plays. A, it's always easier to be critical afterwards, isn't it? But it's hard to see how they could have really... I mean, you would have thought they would have learnt the lesson with Carlton a couple of years ago, wouldn't you? There's a lot of interstate games coming. I know they've got St Kilda and um, playing a few, quite a few uh, Friday nights still later in the year. And that they'd, they'd want to hope Essendon uh, gets out of their, their funk, which I know they did last week, because they've got quite a few either Thursday or Friday night matches still to come. Um is Richmond on the on on the stage on quite a lot? Yeah, I look, yeah, I, I'm not quite sure what to say, Jared. I, I don't think it's I don't think they've uh, they've done it very well. But um, there's always that element of, of uncertainty. But as you said, there also looks to be some unforced errors where there's been clearly better other games on that weekend. But for whatever reason, they haven't put them on a Friday night. So Carl- Carlton, St Kilda, and Essendon are involved in six of the last twelve. So if Essendon don't come good. Um, that that is not an attractive compound in this, and we say we're looking for better games. Seven of the last twelve. Actually. I mean, we, and, and I still don't think it's gone away. We've just got other things to move on to. The game's not in great shape, and we've got a relatively weak comp. There's not all that many great games to put on there, unless you somehow can have a a, a malleable forecast. And right now, you'd be trying to play the Eagles every second or third week, the Tigers every second or third week. Well, well do you Colin think it should play? be malleable, Dern? Do you think maybe eight, ten weeks out that you can make some changes? Or at least one in a year, you know, you get to a certain period and you go, right, here's the last six weeks of the year. I think it's worth exploring that option at some stage, yeah. yeah. Do you, Jared? Uh, no. I just think you need to make better choices. I mean, there are, there are just really bad choices that were made when the fixture came out. And it, it you're you're, you're to, saying Carlton. It because, is yeah, hard to yeah. forecast who the eight is going to be, but it's not hard to draw back on where we were last year. The Bulldogs didn't make the eight. St Kilda didn't make the eight. And Carlton didn't make the eight. And they have been handed a big chunk of the Friday night mm. credibility. What and about Melbourne? Hasn't stacked up. Melbourne Arts, uh, they haven't been on Friday night yet, mm. and they are there against Port Adelaide in a couple of weeks. It's, it's, there are six or eight teams who you can build your Friday night fixture around and go, we're, we're probably pretty safe. You're here. always going to get atmosphere with Collingwood, whether in good nick or bad nick. You're going to get 50,000, 60,000 plus on a Friday night. Are they trying to help some of those teams, though, Jared, along the way? And no, get... I just think they made bad decisions. <laughs> okay. No, I do. I don't think they were trying to help Carlton and help St Kilda. But honestly, it's not about helping teams. Friday night is the supposed showpiece, to be the yeah. showpiece night of footy. It, you, you should aim to have the best game of the round there. And if it doesn't pan out, it doesn't pan out. But even on paper in November last year when that 
landed. You but went, no, nah, that's not the game of the round. When you when you said they're not trying to help them, every club, when they put in their requests prior to the mm. draw, wants Friday night football. If you have X amount of Friday night games, you can sell to your uh, sponsors a little bit more strongly. Yeah, visibility. And, and yeah, doesn't it's about, the league... It's about, aren't they helping in it's doing about that? Everybody, it's about the rest of the football community. Put on a game that will maximise the number of people watching on television. It's not about one club's membership. It's about the whole footy community and going, right, let's get... 600,000 people watching on Channel 7 and 400,000 people watching on Fox and listening to every radio station because this is the game. I'm, I'm on your side with this argument. I'm throwing up the counter-arguments and some people would, would, would come back at you and say, there's 18 teams in the comp. Shouldn't you give them even spread of visibility on the yep. showpiece night? If those 18 teams are all equal, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> this is Animal House. Is what is it? Oh. He is a shit to argue with. <laughs> He's got answers for everything. Fair dinkum, I thought I'd dislike you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you, Dan. Curios <laughs> or Tomic when they play in the first round of the French Open? Hutto? Uh, who are you barrack for? Not a tip. No, who curious. are you barrack for? Barrack for? Oh, I know he'll give up first. Oh, damn. <laughs> Bob, barrack for? Oh, I like... Curious, just. What else is on that <laughs> night, Jerry? Yes. Matt Finnis is going to join us after the break. The CEO from St Kilda. This is crunch time for Honda's seven-year sale. Great offers on a huge range of new models. See honda.com.au. On 11.16 SEM, the award-winning crunch time for Honda's seven-year sale ends June 30. CG under bright skies. The St Kilda team for today is out on the field and Alan Richardson has them in a semicircle and addressing them. That's not typically part of St Kilda's setup, so it probably gives you an insight into how the coach is trying to go about things, whether it's to disrupt or to lift them from their lethargy, to set them for three weeks, which you're entitled to have a degree of trepidation about. They haven't won since round one and it goes Richmond, West Coast, Sydney in the next three. Total team and booster staff in that huddle there. There's all the periphery players, the uh, assistant coaches, even looks like the uh, fitness trainers and likes there'd be 30. Yeah, that's the inner inner sanctum. Yeah, the inner and outer inner sanctum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, and, uh, what are you laughing at, hello? Just you, Dan. Um, <laughs> do, do you think this is a sign of it's the week that they've they're putting it on the players? I, I think so. I think that, well, I just think they're putting it all on the line. They, like, you, you can have this chat anywhere. It's quite symbolic to be out in the middle of the MCG in, the, in front of everyone. It's a bit, it's a, that's a unique Last situation. Last year, there were things going mildly wrong at certain stages, and Richmond were, we didn't think they were going to become the eventual premiers, but they were in relatively good nick, and they came out two-thirds the way through the season and absolutely wiped the floor with the Tigers. Richmond never looked back from that week, I might add, yeah. but they did make a marvellous fist of it. That I think that was at Eddie Hatton. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It's the game they cling to. Is yeah. The case for St Kilda sure do. is born in that game and it ignores a lot of which happened in the aftermath. They lost five of the next seven on the mm. way home and in all of that, they, they didn't kick more than 12 goals in any of those five losses. But that's the day that they pin all of their forecasting on. Mm. And I, I have wondered over the past couple of weeks as they keep recounting that game, you go, 
well, maybe that's the outlier rather than the the, the proof. Yeah. Maybe that's the exception to the rule. Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting way to look at it in the reverse light. Uh, they're breaking up now, and off go. What do you call it? What What do you call that? We used to call them booster. The booster. You know, when you said Are you that, a I was booster? Like... Yeah, a booster is somebody who comes along and does not run out on the ground. Anyone who's not a player is booster. And now Jaron Geary's taken it up as captain once the coaching staff and the support staff have moved away. It's just the players. It's like a St now. Kilda onion just peeling away <laughs> layer after layer. And soon there'll just be the leadership group. <laughs> and then it's Jaron Geary talking to himself. What can they best hope for today, do you think, the Saints? Uh, like the Dogs pressure game, St Kilda are a, a, a team that... You play league footy, you've got talent. But when you talk about top-end talent, with what Richmond have, they got four genuine bona fide stars. Then they've got some really good players, the next level back. So they've got talent. St Kilda don't have that. So, so if St Kilda are to win games in this comp against any opposition, it is all effort-based. Now, every, every team needs effort, but theirs is predicated upon pressure and denying the other team the ability to move the ball or, or time and space. Just get to them, just go through the roof on tackles, and it's poundage, body on body. So theirs has to be... Well, it, it is the grind. I mean, some teams... To take the complete other end of the spectrum, for, for listeners to understand what I'm saying, is Hawthorne's premiership years was all about ball usage. They could kick the eyes out of it. St Kilda at the other end of the spectrum, it's all about the grind. But Hunter, they do ask, to... yeah, what did you asked about what they would expect, though. But I, I, it's a bit of a metaphor. We, we sit here, what are we, 150 yards away from St Kilda today, and we, we, we look at it and sort of say, well... Probably not today, Saints. You're coming yeah. up against the best side in the competition. But football teams at this point of the day, what, how, how far are we? We're an hour away from the game. There's an, sometimes an irrational optimism inside inside a footy team at this point before the battle. And they're, they're still out on the ground. They're, having, they, they, they're, they're going after it. They believe they can win today. That's I, how they have to be. Yeah. I tell you what, there's a booster staff sitting eight metres off and he has been Austin McCrabbed. Yeah? He has been sent <laughs> this, from the group. Is this Blighty's influence on this committee already? It's still lingering before Tomo <laughs> took over. This is Blighty's. They, they got some. They got some young players though today, haven't they? Really they got White, McKenzie, Clark, Rice, McCartan's back in. Phillips. He's still McCartan. Austin, uh, Logan Austin plays his first game at fullback. Yep. It's quite a lot, so it's uh, it's a lot to expect that they would be uh, can be competitive for too long. Yeah, but we saw we saw last I saw last week Geelong and Essendon. You saw right from the opening five minutes, thought, oh, Geelong yep. are on their heels, and the and the bombers. I was are, listening. They're, they're, I was listening. They, are, they were all. They just met them with this fierce pressure. Now St Kilda, they can. They're a pressure side. I think we'll learn a lot in the first five minutes. I still don't think they'll win, but we'll learn a lot the in the first five. Kids eff- give you effort. It's how long they can how, last yeah, that's in the right. contest. Yeah. It is in keeping with everything that's happened, though, over the past seven days, is they are publicly ratcheting things up at a time where most clubs, I think, would look for the the valve to release the air a little bit. Do you think the they really wanted to do that, though? Well, the president yeah. was absolutely defiant in saying this is not the time to reset goals, and that mm. came after a Thursday board meeting where that must be what they decided. It's sort of been reset since, though, hasn't it? Is you can interpret some of what was said in different ways, but he said we are absolutely not in the space of resetting goals. 
and then on through the weekend. Now this public demonstration out on the field ahead of this game. So all, all the chips are on the table. They are. Jared. There's no doubt about that. And that that game against Richmond lives so large for them. I don't think it lives large for you anybody. You embarked on, the exterior, on this on this line. It's it, on the interior that this lives. You embarked on the line with Richo in in your 360 chat. Does this put pressure on Richardson then? Well, can I, I mean, ask? Can I ask you this? If he, if he wasn't, this is what we would have obviously asked Matt Finnis. We're holding him over because he's running a little late. But if Richo wasn't in contract, if he hadn't had that contract extension, would he be coached next year? Well, it would be very hard to give him a new contract in these circumstances. So this is either the genius or the folly of the contract extension. Mm. The genius of it is, is if it gets you through the one bumpy year, and you are still on the path that you set then it was done right in the nick of time. If you're wrong, and this is the reality, then you've you've locked in before you found out that it wasn't going to work. Uh, I, it's the same issue, but I am, as an industry, I can't believe we overlap coaching contracts by so far, a season and a half, or two seasons we renegotiate. In the history of our game over the last, you know, the history or even so let's say since contract coaches have been in true contract coaches the last 40 years how many coaches have been pinched two i think what you'll Not find many. now maybe Dan, three i think what you'll find now is that the while the contracts are extended the caveats have never been stronger so if they d- did decide to to terminate his contract the financial impost to them would be nowhere near as as high as what people might imagine so why why sign the contract then anthony well, because it gives you some some security. I, I, there'd still be a payout, don't get me wrong, and over, you wouldn't want to be doing it over for, for two years, but I know... Well, and, and they're forced down this path. The AFL has forced them down this path because of the soft cap. So they, they've tried to help the clubs not be as vulnerable in this uh, situation. To me, and I've, I've, I've known it and felt it because I've been on a board, and to me, a lot of the time, I think clubs, they're board of directors say this is one way so we don't have to answer questions week in week out are you going to re-sign when will you because there's always the the one or two clubs who the 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 question of the coach the coach the coach the clubs got such an aversion to have that pressure on them and to be on the back page for that reason and i used to always say at board level just let it run no one's going to pinch your coach well, it's happened. Well, I can only think of a couple of times in the last 40 years. No one's going to pinch a coach. So, hey, don't let the media run your the coordination of do? your contract with your coaches. Would someone pinch Clarko if he was? He might be the third. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we're talking 18, 18 coaches. Yeah. Anyone going to pinch? Yeah, he might be one. though, try and pinch. Anyone going to try and pinch any other coach? Given where they are right now. Can't think of any off the top of my head. And I think Richo, you know, has done a, a splendid job in most areas with uh, St Kilda. Anyone going to pinch him? No, but I guess it's a sign of faith, isn't it? That's as well. But I think the, the main. So thing you're you're going to put up no, seven hundred thousand a year as a sign of faith, overlapping the contract by two years. A sign of faith. Yeah. Your faith is going to cost you one point four million. No, if you, as I said, it won't cost them that much. You yeah, sound like you know more than you're letting on, You're six-month clauses now in most of these contracts. 
which limit the payout, whether there should be or there shouldn't be. There so are. why would you sign? Yeah, so coach? it's loaded to the club rather than the coach anymore. Hey, the Cavs are going to take the NBA playoffs, uh, their conference to Game Seven. They're going to beat the Boston Celtics with a minute 40 to go. They're up by 11. Bugger! For I know nothing me, about Jared. it, but I want the Irish to win. Amen, brother. I taped that game and was kind of home. She would have been a good basketballer. <laughs> hey, hello, enjoy Brisbane. Uh, I will. It's up to 24 degrees now. Nice. He's a shit bloke. Uh, uh, bit, bit of Harry Connick Jr. to sing us out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sing along, hello. Oh, That's been crunch time for Honda's seven-year sale. Great offers on a huge range of new models. See honda.com.au. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.